Hi, welcome to Broadway Assembly Church Podcast. We are excited for you to be joining us today. If you want to get a notification of the most recent uploads, please subscribe to our podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Better to us than we have ever been to Him. Can you say amen? Praise the Lord. I'm often, often reminded of the, I was just thinking as they were singing that, if I'm ever there in Southeast Asia, you walk in any of these little shops, you'll find a little Buddha God. He's yay tall, and they always have about three bowls in front of them. They have a bowl of rice and a bowl of tea leaves and a bowl of sugar. Something for their God to eat, something for their God to drink, and then something to make it sweet with. And every single morning, here's the irony, they have to get up and feed their God. And let me tell you about my God. This morning I got up, I sought Him, and He gives me this day my daily bread. Hallelujah. I don't feed Him, He feeds me. He's altogether sufficient. Can we give Him praise? Can we give Him glory? Can we give Him honor? Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for providing for us. Thank you, Lord, for caring for us. Thank you for knowing our needs right where we are. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you, musicians. God bless you. Appreciate the goodness of the Lord here in this house. If you have your Bibles, turn with us this morning to the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 5. 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 5. We'll begin reading there in verse 25. And again, as you're turning there to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 25, I want to say how much I appreciate your associate pastor, Brother Grant Ralston, his family. It's amazing. I've watched him for years as he's grown up and matured. and God's blessed him with a wonderful wife and a wonderful family. By the way, she was a, she was a great student. I still stand by that comment. She was one of the best. I ain't saying that just because she's here, but she was. God's blessed him with a great ministry, and I also say how much I appreciate your pastor. Appreciate the men of this church and the extra mile that you all go. I mean that. Everybody, God bless you so much. God's Word, it reads like this this morning. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss, and I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. In other words, so be it. I want to speak to us this morning, if the Lord had helped me, and I do need His help, simply on this thought, the priority of the apostle. The priority of the apostle. Would you be so kind as to slip your hand up to heaven and Ask the good Lord to simply have his way in the remainder of this service before you're seated. Just let me hear you pray. Father, we thank you. We bless you. We call upon your name this morning. We honor you in this house. We count it, God, such a joy to be in your presence. We pray in the name of the living God that you would move and minister in this house today. And God, that you would have your way among us, Lord. God, may your word make an indelible impression upon our lives. May we be changed by your word closer into the image of God's darling son. I pray God anoint every word spoken, said, and done. And for this we give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you praise. 
In Jesus' holy name we do pray. And everyone said amen. amen. Turn around and tell somebody I'm glad to see you here this morning in the house of the Lord. Now the end of our reading this morning marks the end of this epistle that Paul has written to the Thessalonians. Paul ends his letter by bringing attention back to the first things. Back to the main things. Back to the big things. In fact, I've often thought, I've thought about this as I went back and forth with it. And I almost wanted to write down and call it first things last. Because Paul deals with the first things at the very end of this writing. And it's a priority that he has in his life. And I'm telling you, beloved, it is a priority that we must have in our lives. The problem is not what do we need to get done. But the problem seems to be over and over for us. What's the most important things to get done? It seems to plague us throughout our life. Can I tell you dear friend. There are some big things you need to have under your belt. Squared away. And not out there somewhere. There are some priorities. That we must have when it comes to our Christian walk with God. And Paul deals with that this morning. And by God's help I want to do the same. I once heard of a professor. And the professor was walking, after he walked into his class, he brought out from behind his desk a large mouth jar. He smiled at his students and he began to take that jar and fill it up with large rocks. He got to the top of that lid and he looked at his students and he said, Last, let me ask you a question, students. Is the jar full? Of course, every one of them said yes. And then he reached behind his desk and he pulled out gravel and he began to fill that jar with gravel. Then he said, is the jar full? Now kind of sheepishly they turned around and said, yes. And then he reached behind again and he brought out sand and filled it up with sand. And then he asked a third, is the jar full? Why this time, of course, nobody's saying anything. You know how it goes. And then he reached behind it one more time and he brought out a pitcher of water and filled it up with water. And he said, "Young," he said, students, now the jar is full. So let me ask you the question the professor said. What's the moral of the story? The young people thought for a moment. Finally, one man raised his hand and said, Things are not always as they seem. He said, No, that's good, but that's not it. And then another man raised his hand and said, There's always room for more. The professor said, No, that's good, but that's not it. The moral to the story is this. Be sure to put the big rocks in first. Say amen. You gotta put the big rocks. Listen, if you, young people hear me, if you think life's gonna slow down the older you get, you're wrong, dear friend. Life has a way of filling it with gravel and mud. If you allow, you've got to get the big things down, down pat, friend. Don't look around and say when things slow down, then we'll make things right with God. It does not work like that. When things slow down, then we'll get serious about water baptism. It doesn't work like that. You've got to put the big rocks in first and say, Lord. Lord, as for me and my house, let us serve the Lord. Let us walk with you. Let us hunger for you. Let this be priority in all that we do. And say everything else will have second place compared to you, oh God. Can someone say amen? Church is not something we get around to. Serving God is not something we do in our free time. It is first. It is foremost. 
It is premier. It is priority. Say amen to me somebody. And so it is even in our reading today. Paul sees a church that he knows has to get rooted and has to get grounded. And yes, God's doing an amazing work in their life. But if they don't stick to the basics and if they don't remember what is priority, they're going to find themselves off kilter and off course. Amen. He knows that if Satan cannot stop them, then dear mercy, he will push them. There are entire churches that brag about being on the move. The only problem is they've left the fundamentals. You don't know if you had a social club or a church. Boy, that got good and quiet right there. Pray, honey, pray. And if we're not careful, friend, if we're not careful, we will try to simply minister for God and forget to minister to God. And I can assure you, if all you try to do is minister for him and forget to minister to him, it's either going to end in disaster or even worse, it's going to be a success in the flesh without the help of God, which is simply a polite way of saying you're going to produce an Ishmael. It's not going to bring God glory. There's a lot of things that call themselves church but has no reflection of Christ at all. I remember years ago, Dr. Clendenin told me, he said, if you allow that flesh to operate in that church, Satan will collect it as worship. Say amen to me somebody. We've got to stay with the basics. We've got to stay with the root. We've got to stay with what's priority in our own lives that we might be pleasing unto Him. So Paul sees this. He knows there's a good thing there. But he doesn't want to let it go. I'm talking to somebody. It's time you rearrange your priorities and say Lord you first. Now look at this church with me here in Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 1 and 9, it says this. For they themselves showed us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. There had been a change in these people's lives. So many people saying they profess to know God, but there's never any change in their lives. That's not the God that I serve. Somebody said, well, brother, Estes, are you you saying it's faith and works? No, no, it's not faith and works, but I can assure you this. It is a faith that works. And if your faith doesn't work, then you don't have saving faith, no matter what kind of faith you claim to have. It's not faith and works, but I'm telling you, faith has a way of changing the way you work. Amen, somebody. Oh, hallelujah. The church that he has now, he knows they're a new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away few comments that I can make about this church. We can find it there in 1 Thessalonians 1 and 6. It said, and because, and ye became followers of us, and the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, and with much, and with joy rather, in the Holy Ghost. What was it, Brother Estes? It was an exemplary church. He said, you received this, and you received it like we told you to. Even in joy and affliction. We don't mind the joy. Nobody wants the affliction anymore. Lord, help us. In verse number 8, the latter half of that verse, it said, In every place your faith to God is spread abroad so that that we need not speak anything. It was an exemplary church. It was an enthusiastic church. Can you imagine having such a church that before you even get there, somebody says, Hey, I know where you go to church. I can just tell. I can see it all over your face. (laughs) Let Let me guess. Let me, I know where you go. Because I'm telling you, your folks are always in here. And they're always telling us about how good God is. 
And all of our people always wonder, well, they don't have any problems. And they assure us, don't worry, we got problems. We got problems longer than you can list, but we got a God that's bigger than our problems. Say amen to me. Come on here, somebody. Amen. The word was spread abroad. They all knew about it. Everybody said, man, you want to talk about a church that loves God? You want to talk about a church that is on fire for God? It is exemplary. It is enthusiastic. In verse number 10, they were waiting for the Son of God from heaven whom he raised from the dead to deliver them from the wrath to come. Amen which means that tribulation time they were an expecting church every time you spoke to them they're talking about the coming of the Lord they're talking about the goodness of God they know that their hope is not in this world here and I'm sorry and I'm not here to get off on this tangent this morning I don't know what's going to happen this year and I don't know what's going to happen next year should the Lord tarry. But all I want to remind us, friend, is our hope is not in a white house. It is still in a lighthouse. Things could change overnight. They could outlaw anything they want to. I don't trust anything that comes out of D.C. anymore. All I'm telling you is you better have your hope in something better. You better have your hope in something above. Friend, we need God. We're rearranging the chairs on the Titanic. That thing's going to sink whether you like it or not. We're better hold light to the things of this world and hold tight to the things of heaven. This world's not our home. We're only passing through. I remember a preacher telling me one time he walked into the bank and he's a whistling and happy as he can be knowing the Lord's before him. He said the bank manager happened to notice how happy he was and said, would you please come here? He said, yes sir, sure will. He said, "Um, you're, you're the preacher, right? He said, well, I'm one of them. He said, are you the preacher on the radio? He said, I'm one of them too. He said, are you the preacher on the radio that keeps talking about judgment and tribulation and terrible things to come? He said, yep, that's me. That's me. He said, then how can you walk in this bank smiling and whistling knowing those things are going to happen to this world? He said, he looked back at the banker and he said, because sir... I was talking about your world, not my world. <laughs> God. Thank you, Jesus. Heaven's going to be a glorious place. Amen. There's going to be no war there. There's going to be no death there. There's going to be no pain there. Hallelujah. There's going to be no suffering there. It's going to be a terrible time down here. But my hope is in the coming of the Son of Man. I am expecting His return. I am looking unto Him. Amen, somebody. <coughs> Paul has a church. That is exemplary, enthusiastic, expectant. And so the question comes to our minds. How does the apostle have such glorious success? I mean, did he attend one of those church growth seminars? You know, I mean, for so many thousands you can get the bronze program. But wait, t- wait, today only. It's 50% off. But wait, there's more. You don't know if you've been through an infomercial if you're at some kind of multi-level marketing or if it's church at all, can I tell you, Paul doesn't do any of those things. Paul, Paul is more concerned about the basics than what we realize. And I know as I was preparing this, this morning, and I know where I am, and I thought, dear mercy, this is going to seem so simplistic. This is going to seem so mundane for some, but some of us, you don't need a new revelation. You just be re- need to be reminded of the old word and the old promises to be brought back to that first love again. And so here's what Paul says. Here's how he starts it off. He says, brethren, pray. Pray for us. He brings them back to an altar of prayer. Can I tell 
tell you, beloved, a church is no stronger than its prayer life. The most vital thing we can have are men and women that pray. I said it the other night to the young people. I'll say it to all of us at large. If you were to ask me, what is our greatest need amongst our people and our movement? We, we need preachers. I'm for that, yes. We need musicians. I am for that, yes. You know what we really need? We need somebody that can pull down heaven and cast out hell. We need somebody that will put their life on the line with God again and stay in the presence of God Almighty. I say this humbly by the grace of God, but we've been able to go to a few churches across this fruited plain. A few churches here and a few churches overseas as well. And can I tell you, if I ever find a church that there's this constant continual prayer, somehow it may not even because they signed up on a list, it was just organic from their heart. All I know is there's something about that. It pushes back the enemy. It has a way of keeping the enemy at bay. They may not know a specific prayer, but in a general way, they're praying, God, send the river. Let the power of God flow. We need that again. I know, I know there's another thing. I've been pulling for your attention. I know there's other things pulling for your mind. But first things first, let's come back to an altar of prayer. If you, oh Lord, help me say this. Hear me, hear me kindly, but do hear me clearly. If you wait to the end of your day to give a little token prayer. I can assure you all you are doing is giving God your scraps. Here's the end of the day, God. Here's what my mind has left after it's been frazzled. I've been dealing with people. I've been dealing with problems. But now will lay me down to... And you're gone. Start your day in prayer. Let it be first and foremost. Are you hearing me? Let this be a priority in our lives. Let prayer be a priority in our lives. Listen, friend. I hate to tell you this, but you, you ain't going to die if you miss one meal. Now, if you're diabetic, you need to take more caution. But there's a whole lot of us, we could miss it and not have a problem. So if we have to miss it, we have to miss it. But I'm telling you, if we miss that altar, we're in a world of trouble. Because there's an unseen world that's out there. And they're ready to kill, and they're ready to steal, and they're ready to destroy. And somebody's got to stand on guard. You better stand on guard for your family. You better stand on guard for your own mind. That is, we got to stand at the gate and push back the forces of hell with our prayers. There's a family waiting on us. There are people looking unto us. We need somebody that will make prayer a priority in their lives. Talked to a dear friend of mine just the other day. I had no idea. As the secretary of the church that had been there for years and years. They diagnosed her with cancer and shortly after they diagnosed her she passed away. Sister Brown was her name. She was a precious lady. I said I'm so sorry to hear about Sister Brown. He told me, he said, Brother Zane, he said, you, you understand she was such an amazing person. She was a widow for years and years, but just dedicated her heart to God. He said, you don't understand what a right hand that she was in so many respects. She, she you know, let us know this event's coming up and she would remind us and would and take care of it. Do you need me to schedule this? Whatever it may have been, she was, she was just always, he said, but you know what I miss the most? I miss her prayers. He said, I'm telling you, from the day she passed away, it felt like there was this covering that just began to move away from me. And he said, I've yet to find somebody that could fill in that gap and cover that again. Oh, God. 
me tell you what, there have been some prayer warriors that have come through the pews of the Broadway Assembly. There have been some men and women that have been in touch with God. Now by the goodness of the Lord, they have run their race, they have finished their course, and the Lord has called them home. But somebody's got to stand in the gap. Somebody's got to fill up the hedge. You say, I'm too young. The other person says, I'm too old. Amen. Everybody says, I'm too busy. Say what you want. But hell mocks at all of our intentions unless they're bathed in prayer, unless they've been baptized in power. Somebody say amen. We've got to come back to prayer again. Paul begins his very ministry in prayer. You can find it there in Acts chapter 9 verse 11. The Lord said, Arise, go to the street which is called Straight Inquire in the house of Judah. One called Saul. It's his Jewish name, the Gentile name. We'd pronounce it Paul. But then it says this, For behold, and anytime you see a behold, whether it's New Testament or old, whether it's Greek or Hebrew, the behold is like a <gasps> aha moment. Behold! <gasps> he prayeth. Paul? The persecutor? The destroyer? Yes. He's praying. He moves on and says it like this now in his own writings to the Thessalonians in chapter 3. You don't have to turn there. But he said night and day praying exceedingly. Now don't answer openly but do answer honestly. Do you pray with a burden not just for yourself but for others? It's easy to criticize leadership, but do you ever pray for leadership? It's easy to criticize a deacon, but do you ever pray for the deacons? It's easy to criticize associates and seniors and so on and so forth, but do you ever pray for them? That leads me to my second point. And I know this is basic. I know some of you, Brother Estes is here. I'm waiting for him to give me some Greek blah, blah, blah. Well, baloney, there's a Greek word, huh? Number one, prayer. Number two, unity. Unity. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. Now people have veered away from this scripture because of how it would read in our English writings of it. But understand in Greek, the emphasis is on the word holy, not the word kiss. So that the understanding is this. However you greet somebody, be holy, be sincere. When you greet one another, be holy and be sincere. Now in those days, the men would greet the men, the women would greet the women, and they would greet each other with a holy kiss of that nature. Amen. The emphasis there again is not on the kiss, it is on the holiness of it. In other words, when you shake a man's hand, do it with sincerity and do it with love. And don't say something in front of his face that you wouldn't say behind his back. And don't say something behind his back that you wouldn't say to his face. Just walk in sincerity and love. I mean, there's... There's a world, there's a small, now there's a slight. There you go, back up from a world difference to a slight difference. Between flattery and hypocrisy. A, a flatterer, if that's a right, right English, sorry. A flatterer would say to your face what he would never say behind your back. A hypocrite would say behind your back what he would never say to your face. And Paul says, don't be that kind of person. But with sincerity and humility, love one another. 
Now, I know that may seem basic, but I'm telling you, I've seen churches. They have got the bus program down pat. They have got the, they've got the, holy, uh, they've got the homeless ministry, and man, it is excelling. The only problem is they can't stand being in the same sanctuary with each other. And I'm telling somebody, unless there's prayer and unless there's unity, ministry has a way of unraveling. Well, you say, brother, that's just, he's different from me, and he's got glitches. I hate to bust your bubble, but every last one of us have glitches. Somehow, if you ain't thinking you got a few glitches, ask your wife. She'll fill you in on the way home. Say amen to me, somebody. And so you know what we're going to do? We're going to forbear one another. We're going to say, Lord, we're all growing in the grace of God. And that's my brother. And that's my sister. And in unity and love, we're going to work together. Amen. I told my father-in-law this. and this. I've learned a lot from him. He is an amazing man. He really is. Maybe he learned this one from me because he didn't like it at first, but he told me, he said, you know, the older I get, the more that makes sense. I told him, I said, John, everybody's normal until you get to know them. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But there can be people that desire great things. The only problem is they don't realize none of us can do as much as all of us. And I hate to break your bubble. None of us are as smart as all of us. Brother Bill Prescott, we were preaching revival, or a camp meeting with Brother Prescott earlier this, this year. And as he was preaching, he was doing the mornings. And he told us, he said, at his first church as a young man, there were two brothers, biological brothers. And they were in charge of taking care of the grass at the church. One of them was to mow the grass that was connected to the church. The other was to mow the grass in the cemetery that was connected to the grass to the church. So they're they're right adjacent to each other. And one morning, one of the brothers, after he he started to mow the, the grass in the cemetery, and he noticed it had already been mowed. And he said in a fit of rage, he picked up a handful of that grass and threw it in the back of his truck, run down to his brother's house, Slammed that truck into park, swung open that door, leaped out of that truck, reached into the back of that truck, get that handful of grass, walked up to his brother on the front porch and says, somebody's got some explaining to do. He's through that. He's, now time out. If somebody mows my grass in the heat of summer, I mean, if I were to bring them a handful of that grass, there'd be a thank you card and probably a birthday cake behind it. I don't know when it is, but just it's, this one's on us. God bless you and have a great deal. Different strokes, different folks. You know what I'm saying? He said it started causing such a ruckus. I tried to deal with it in private. I couldn't anymore. He said I had to deal with it in public. And I preached one morning on forgiveness. Letting things go. And forgiving. And he said I could not have made it any more direct. And at the end of the service, he said... And shaking hands as men are walking out of that door. And he said, I'm talking about a leader in this church. He looks at me and with all gall and bitterness. He says, well, guess what, preacher? I guess there's just going to be some things we take to our grave. And he walked in. I hate to tell that man. But you ain't just going to take that to your grave, sir. You keep that in your heart. You're going to take that to judgment. And ultimately, you're going to take that to outer darkness and hell. 
Oh, that got tight right there, but it's still true. I am to love God with all my heart, and I am to love my brother as myself. Now, some people have a problem loving God with all their heart because they don't ever see God any way close to them. But that brother right beside them, now that's where the rubber meets the road. Listen, friend, all I'm saying is there's got to be prayer, and there has to be unity. Amen. Paul sees this. It had to work because the next time that he writes the, uh, into this church in Thessalonica, he says there in chapter number one, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet because that your faith groweth exceedingly and charity of every one of you all toward each other abound he said you know what there's a difference between my first letter and my second letter I hope I'm not boring you this morning and he said as great as it was the first time he said I'm telling you what you guys have grown exceedingly and your love and charity toward each other is exploding. It's amazing what can happen when no one cares who gets the credit. Let me finish. It's kind of got tight right there. I'll be quickly. Let me say these couple more and we'll close. Verse 27. Paul writes, he says, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The word charge there, or kizo in Greek. And, and there's a, you have to understand there's a force behind that word. There's an enduring, there's a force. It's a strong word. And he speaks about reading it in public, in private. Friend, I know it's basic. You could probably go over to the children's church, and I'm sure it's more entertaining than what you're getting right here. But you could probably hear the very same thing over there is right here. But I'm telling you, if we miss this, we're done. It is still prayer. It is still unity. And it's still this. His word. His divine, inerrant, inspired, infallible, God-breathed word. Every word of God is theonutos. God-breathed. Breath of God. That's what it means. Amen. And friend, if we are missing these, no wonder we can't go forward. No wonder I can't grow. Lord, there's something that's not there. Lord, is it prayer? Is it unity? Is it the word of God? What is it in my life that I'm missing? God, let me reprioritize that I can get growing with God. You say, Brother says, I, I don't understand every word. Well, here's what you do. You read it, understand what you can read, and I promise you, your spirit still understands what you don't read in the sense that you're growing in God. Now, you've got to study to show yourself approved. You're not going to have this poof revelation. You've got to dig into His Word. I love it how some people, they go, Brother says, I wish, I wish you'd tell me the answer to this. I said, well, it's, it's very interesting if you'll just study it out a little bit, and right there, boy, they're gone, you know. They kind of want a shortcut. I promise you, listen. The most beautiful flowers are the ones you pick yourself, okay? <laughs> you dig into that and you see God's Word and it becomes alive to you. And it makes an impression on your heart. Friend, can I tell you, there are some people, the only time they ever read God's Word is that short little scripture they get when the pastor reads it for them on Sunday morning. Now, right up here, I'm your friend, but let me tell you this. That's not enough Bible. Amen. Sometimes you, oh, brother, I want to go to one of those churches. Man, they've got the most awesome. They've got lights. They've got smoke. They've got a guy up there, and man, he can play guitar. You know, 
As long as you don't get whiplash jerking his head back and forth, you know. <laughs> Jesus. But is there ever any word? Well, we like to go deep. Some people are so concerned with the golden nuggets that they miss the bread of life. <laughs> Say amen. <laughs> I say, man, listen, it's not a goal. It's just His Word. It's just a strength. You just open it up. You let that psalm speak to you. You don't just glance at it. You gaze at it. You stay there and you focus upon it. You listen, when you're reading God's Word, and I've told my students this every time I've ever tried to teach a class anywhere, amen, you, you, you ask, what does it mean then? You ask, what does it mean now? And then you ask, oh God, what does it mean to me? And you let God's Word speak to you directly. So I close this morning. Lastly, and the grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Have you ever noticed, Pastor, that seems to be Paul's signature way of writing? He, he, okay, many times, like, he, he, would let, he would dictate a letter and then he would end it with this phrase and he would sign it so they know that it wouldn't be a forgery. Like 2 Thessalonians 3 and 17, the salutation of Paul with mine own hand, which is a token Every epistle, so I write, verse 18, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Now, there's different types of grace in the Bible. There's, there's saving grace. By grace are you saved. There's, there's suffering grace. Hey, there's speaking grace. That your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. There's strengthening grace. But every one of these point back to one thing. Trust. Faith. You know how grace works in your life for salvation? Through faith. You know how grace works in your life through suffering? Through faith. Because it's while you still have the pain that you continue to praise. You know how grace works in your life through sanctification? Through faith. And I know this seems simple. And I know this seems elementary. And I know this seems primary and basic. But I'm telling you, it is prayer it is unity, it is Bible, and it is faith. And if we want to get the big rocks in first, I think that's what God's Word is speaking to every last one of us. Prayer and unity and Bible and faith. And prayer and unity and Bible and faith. And prayer and unity and Bible and faith. It didn't say the ball game. It didn't even say the cookout and all. Listen, I'm not against fellowship and we need that. But first things first, prayer and unity and Bible and faith. There's a world out there pulling for your mind. There's a world out there pulling for your time. There's a world out there pulling for your interest. There's a world out there pulling for your money. And God says back to you and me, let it be prayer. Let it be unity. Let it be the word of God. Let it be faith. You put that primary in your life. You're going to make it to heaven. Sister Estes, help me this morning, please. I once heard pastor of the famous head coach of yesteryear, Mr. Vince Lombardi, at a certain game they had lost, and they lost badly. The next morning he, walk, he walks into the the locker room, stillness, deathly quiet. And as he slowly walks to the center of that room, surrounded by those players, he reaches into a bag. And in that bag, he pulls out an object. He holds it in front of the young men and he simply says, Young men, this 
is a football. To which one of the players, and I might add foolishly, said back to the head coach, Coach, that's pretty fundamental. Don't you think we already already know that? The story says that the steel eyes of that pastor, or that rather head coach, focused in on that young man and for just a moment stared at him and then replied, and that's what I'm concerned about. I think we're starting to take the fundamentals for granted. You can start anytime you like, sister. I know this is basic, and I know there's preachers you could hear that could entertain. But I'm telling you, we've got to get back to what's right, church. And every one, none of us are exempt from the pulls and the pressures of this world. And it pulls us this way, and it tugs us this way. And I feel in a time of prayer, I feel the Lord let me know there'd be some people here this morning. And it's not that it's on the bucket list and it's not that you don't know what to do, but somewhere through the, somewhere through the tussle of life, these things have just kind of went down the list. They're there, but they're not up here anymore. I believe God's brought a preacher by this morning to lovingly tell you God's ready for you to get the priorities right in your life again. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. First things first. Oh God, put the priorities right in my life again. Let me take all of this messed up stuff and align it like you desire that I might know God, that there might be peace, that we might hear Him say, well done, good and faithful sir. Stand with us all over this house, please. Oh, hallelujah. With our heads bowed, with our eyes closed, with our hearts open this morning. Quickly and very quickly. I don't, I don't, I don't want to go any further. Before I deal with you, sir, before I ask you, dear ma'am. You're here this morning and I don't know you. You may have grown up in this church. This may have been the first time you've ever darkened the doors. You say, well, I really don't know these people. Let me tell you, I know these people good enough to know. They'll care for you. They'll love you. They'll pray for you. And perhaps you're here today and there's something tugging on the inside of your heart and you're saying, you know what? There's some priorities in my life that are just not where they need to be. There are some time killers eating me alive and they're nothing. You're here this morning. You say, Brother Estes, um, I don't know God like you're talking about, but I want to know Him. I want to give my life to God today. I'm, I want to make that decision. I want to put the big rocks in today. Because tomorrow could be too late. If you're here, you don't know the Lord. If you're here and you've never met God. You say, that's me, Brother Estes. I want you to softly slip up your hand to heaven for just a moment. And say, that's me. 
Amen. I see that. God sees it. Somebody else. Somebody else. I think there was another hand there. Another hand maybe. Church, I'm turning to you now. Because the tragic reality is this. Even after you've known the Lord, it doesn't make you exempt from getting things out of whack. It doesn't make you exempt from letting little things steal your time, your joy, your strength, your anointing, all of this. I wonder, is there anybody in this house, you said, Brother, this is by His grace, I do know Him. But I want His help today to get things prioritized right in my life. If that's you, slip your hand up to heaven and say, that's me. Thank you. Hands here and hands there and there and there and there. Friend, can I tell you from one side to the next, from the back to the front, there's many, there's many hands that are right. Oh God, I want to get it right. I want to get it right, God. I want to make it right, oh God. So here's what I'm going to do. Whether you raise your hand the first time or whether you raise your hand the latter of the times, I'm going to invite every last one of us that raised those hands. I want us to come. I want us to make an altar around this front this morning. I want you to ask the Lord to begin to do that in your life. If you're not saved, ask Him to save you. If you need things to be reprioritized, ask Him to do that. Would you come and make an altar and ask the Lord to put that inside of you even now? Come on, all that would, everyone that would. Let's make an altar. Let's pray. Let's seek His face. It's a prayer. Come on, get out of that comfort. In fact, if you need somebody beside you to move, they'll move so you can get out, so you can come. Get out of that comfort zone and say, Lord, I'm coming. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to call upon you, God. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to ask you.